Praise God. The blood covenant. That's the topic we've been looking at. I wanted to try to finish it up today. I don't know if I can. The Lord helping me. Thank you, media team, for the announcement on Ablaze. Ablaze is here upon us. Right from October the 12th to the 15th. Glory be to God. The number 12 is the number of God's government. Every other government that I've been ruling in your life up until now will give way to the government of God in the name of Jesus. The kingdom comes into our lives. These are blazed in the name of Jesus. Glory be to God. Amen. You want me to tell you the theme of Ablaze 2023? The kingdom is here! Hallelujah! It's amazing how the Lord has been dealing with us. In looking at this subject of the blood covenant, I have given us about five steps and I'm going to take the last two to make seven. Did I get to number five last week? Yes, I did. Psalm 89 and verse 34. That's our main text. Psalm 89 and verse 34. I'm teaching this topic because I want us to receive strength in the Lord because of the uncertainties of the days in which we live. Even though we live in uncertain times and seasons, our God is forever steadfast. The job of the enemy is to take off our eyes from God and to keep our focus on our problems and the enormity of the issues arrayed against us. So we can be shaken out of place, but the devil is a liar. We read together Psalm 89 and verse 34. My one to go. Now there's still noise coming from here. I don't know. My covenant will I not break? One to go. My covenant will I not break? Nor alter the thing that is gone out of my lips. In looking at the blood covenant, we're considering using as a specimen particularly the traditional blood covenant as it has been done or it was been done in the Hebrew culture. All of the Old Testament was written in Hebrews, Hebrew, while the New Covenant or New Testament was written in Greek. We want to look at the culture of these people to give us an idea and to give us an understanding what it means when we say we have a covenant with God. And some of you have graduated from Covenant University. It's important for you to understand the meaning of the word covenant. <laughs> because an understanding of that uh, will help you a little more. Some of you didn't go to Covenant University, but we sing so many songs about covenant. You are the covenant keeping God. That's one of the songs. When, when we sing it in this church, I always remember Hadessa, who is in Canada now. She was my go-to person for that song. I have my go-to person for different songs. And some of you are just all-rounders. God bless you. Amen. When we say God is a covenant-keeping God, what does it mean? When you say I'm a covenant child of God, what does it mean? If you don't understand what covenant is and how it's been done, then you just 
They're just saying nothing, nothing, really, nothing. But when you have an understanding of covenant or how a covenant has been caught, then every time you say that I have a covenant with God, the real depth of that thing dawns on you and you can bring the power of the covenant to the fore to help you at such a time of need. Our God is not an absentee God. In Psalm 46 and verse 1, the Bible says God is our, our very present help in the day of trouble. Is our refuge and strength. The B part of it says our very present help in the day of trouble. The Yoruba translation says in a lower, lower, lower need by Monju. So there are times of trouble. There are days of trouble. But God is not absent. Your friends may be absent. Your family members may be absent. Your closest parties or pallies may be absent. But God is a very present help in the day of trouble. He's our high tower. He's our stronghold. He's the one to run to. That's why Proverbs 18 one says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into that name and they are safe. Now, this same God we are talking about was the one that spoke in Psalm 89 verse 34 that we just read. It says, my covenant will I not break nor alter the thing that has gone out of my lips. My covenant. My covenant. I'm not going to break it. And I'm not going to change the words that proceed out of my mouth. So we began to look at, in the uh, traditional Hebrew setting, what are the steps when they want to cut a covenant? Step number one, I give that to you, that each family, usually two families come together to say we want to cut a covenant. Why do they come together to cut a covenant? It is because they want to make up for their inadequacies. Use your strength to cover my weakness. And I will use my own strength to cover your weakness. I give us an example. Let's say, for example, we have a uh, family where they are predominantly farmers. And we have a family where they are predominantly fighters. They are warriors. Now, the, the farmer family, they have a lot of produce, farm produce. Talk about yam, tomatoes, and all of that. So they are never hungry. However, armed robbers usually come against them. People come to harass them and to take their stuff from time to time. So they need security. Now, here is the warrior family. They are strong and powerful. They have bronze and muscles, six packs and 12 packs. But guess what? They are starving. Those guys are really starving. So, but they can provide security. So the two families can come together to form a merger and say, look, we have the strength to defend you. You have the food to supply strength to us because we also draw strength from feeding. When you are too weak, you can't fight. Is that right? I don't understand the connection. I've said that again and again between food and strength. But I do know that when I am hungry, very, very hungry, I don't like to fight. Anybody like that? When you are fasting and somebody abuses you, you look at them, you walk away. But if you have just devoured a mountain of pounded yam and somebody tries to mess up around you, you have energy to fight. So these two families come together to cut a covenant. The word covenant actually means the cut where blood flows. The cut where blood flows. So when, whenever you see the word covenant, actually, one thing you must remember is that blood is involved. And I tell you from the beginning of the Bible to the end of it, you see blood, 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 blood all over the place. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a book that is wrapped up by the blood, the precious blood of the sinless Son of God. And so God is 
committed to this word. God is committed to the fulfillment of every promise in the Bible. Things may be tough sometimes. Life may be rough. We might not calculate it. We might not expect it. And it will yet come. But I tell you one thing. Thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. According to 2 Corinthians 2.14. Can I have an amen? So what are the steps when these two families want to cut the covenant? Number one, each family will choose a representative. And I told you normally they will pick the best, the smartest, the strongest to represent them. So the, the council of elders will sit down and their representative will stand right in front of them. The council of elders will sit down on the other side and their rep will stand right in front of them. Number two, step number two, I said the covenant court was made. Now in this case, they get animals involved. And I, tell, I told you last week or two weeks ago that they cut from the base of the animal's call. They cut it like that. They split it open into two. So blood flows in every direction. They want blood so that the, that blood can form a pathway in which they will walk in a figure eight manner. They will walk inside that blood. So the covenant cut was made. Number three, the representatives exchanged their coats. They exchanged their coats, which is... Uh, a symbol of the authority. And I give you an example. When you have a sergeant who wears the uniform of an army general, everybody in the barracks will say, sir, yes, sir. They would pay obeisance to him. They would respect him. Not because the man is big or small. Because of the uniform he's wearing. He's wearing the army, I mean, he's wearing the uniform of an army general. He has all the stars of a general. And they recognize it when they see it. Glory be to God. How, how about when you put on the Lord Jesus Christ? Don't they recognize you in the kingdom of darkness? They do. That's why that's, uh, the, the demon that was dealing with the seven sons of Sceva spoke in the Acts of Apostles. He said, Jesus I know. Paul I know. Paul wrecked so much evoke in the kingdom of darkness that they knew him. But who are you? Who are you? Number, step number four, the representatives exchange weapons. That's your weapon of warfare. That's what you use to defend yourself or to fight or something you use to uh, make a living. They exchange it also in the blood. They are doing all of that in the blood. In the blood. Step number five, which was where we stopped last week, the representatives cut their flesh. Ah, do we have Zobo drink at least this morning? Or boom or something like that. Don't worry, if you don't have it now, if you can have it now, don't worry, don't worry. We'll have it just before we take the communion. I'm going to get two people to demonstrate it. Thank God Prosper is wearing a, a suit this morning. Whoever is wearing a suit also, a, a male wearing a jacket, I, I'm going to need you this morning. Praise God. All right, so they cut their flesh. That's number five, and that's where they make all the pronouncements. I'm not going to uh, uh, bail out on you. Uh, I, I take you as my brother. If anybody comes against you, they have automatically come against me and I will come against them. If anybody comes against me, they have automatically come against you and so you come against them. My friends become your friends. My, your, your, my enemies become your enemies. Your friends become my friends. Your enemies become my enemies. That, that's what a covenant does. A covenant merges two into one. It's like a, a marriage. Genesis 2.24, therefore shall a man leave his father and, and his mother and cleave unto his wife and the two of them shall become one, one one flesh to become one because marriage is a kind of covenant also the marriage covenant now this covenant that we're looking at the covenant made by blood let me now give you step number six 
Step number six, after they have cut their flesh and they've mingled the blood and they've done every other thing and they've made pronouncements to each other. Number six is that they now prepare the covenant. They now eat the covenant meal. The covenant meal, which we are going to eat this morning. The table of the Lord. The mighty climax of the whole covenant ceremony was the remembrance party. It was called remembrance party. Why? They want to remember all the things that they said to each other while they were in the blood. In the Bible, the word remember is a very powerful word. In Exodus, the Bible talks about God remembered his covenant to Abraham. In Exodus chapter 2, his covenant to Abraham, uh, to Isaac, and to Jacob, that God remembered his covenant. It doesn't say that God happened to remember. It said God remembered. Now, <laughs> what that literally means there, see, when the Bible says that God remembers something, it doesn't mean that God forgets. God never forgets. God doesn't forget. Are you getting what I'm saying this morning? To remember there is to constantly put it in his face. It's actually the word that was translated, remember, in the old covenant means the claw. The claw. Do you know the claw of an eagle? When these people want to actually cut a covenant, what they do, the Hebrew people, they, they take a claw of an eagle and they put it in their face like this. Among some of the Hebrew tribes, people cutting covenant were known to take an eagle's claw and put it in their face. And this is what they say. They say, my remembrance of you is as though I was still in the blood, promising you everything I have. My covenant with you is like a claw in my brain. I cannot even see except for seeing you in my face. They hold the claw and they say to each other, I can't even see anything. The only thing I can see is you in my face. The covenant I'm, I've caught with you today is like this claw in my brain. If there is a claw in your brain, how can you forget? I was speaking to a doctor some time ago regarding one of our uh, brothers who had an issue and had an issue with his brain and all of that and he had to do surgery. So the doctor was telling me that usually neurosurgeons usually exercise a great caution when they're carrying out a surgery in the brain. He said, because the brain is like, you know, you got, he said, it's just a little thicker, just a little thicker than you got. So you need to thread very carefully when you go to that place and you want to try to remove something. <clears throat> because if you take a little portion of the brain out and you, you, you can't put it back in, you have damaged that person. So he said, is it, is it, God, isn't God so amazing that the bone, which is called the skull, that protects the brain, some people have said, I don't know how true this is, is actually the strongest bone in the body. God uses this one, very strong kakaraka, to protect the soft gel on the inside. Now, if you put a claw in your brain, can you ever forget that? Come on, talk to me. Can you forget that? That's why they use the claw. They hold it like this, and they're looking at each other. See, I can't see anything except you in my face. And as I'm looking at you, I remember every promise I made to you in the blood. My remembrance of you is as though I was still in the blood. They don't try to forget. You see, when they bring out the claw, they are trying to remember constantly the promises they made to each other when they were standing in the blood. They don't stand on dry ground to cut a covenant. Covenant made by blood. You stand in the blood, inside the blood of an animal. So that you don't ever forget. 
This remembrance party or covenant meal was where the families began eating bread, drinking wine, dancing and celebrating. They would actually feed bread to one another. Now, this is what they say when they are feeding bread to one another. They say, this is my body. I will, I, will, I will let your family have my body before I will ever let them starve. You know what that means? I will do anything. I will do anything for you. I remember back in the days, in my teenage years, in my early 20s, I used to listen to R&B a lot. Uh, I will do anything for you. That was one of my favorite songs back in the day. I can't even remember who sang it. I will do anything, girl, anything for you. Nalayo. <laughs> uh, I'll be your son, uh, you know, in the, st uh, in the sky. I will, oh, there's actually one, I remember. I will cross the ocean for you. Do you guys know it? But music has changed. <laughs> now, what you have now, I don't know whether to call it music. It's all hogwash. Now, back in the day, we still had some secular songs, even though they were love songs, but they made sense. Now, what you have is sex in the songs. Now, we had some love songs back in the day that made sense. So, like, you know, even though they were full of lies, I will cross the ocean for you. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor. Now, don't say I will cross the ocean for you because I don't want you to lie in the presence of the Lord. <laughs> you can't even cross a river for them. The person saying I will cross the ocean, when they get to LA, LA River, they will change their mind. I say, babe, you, you, you know what? Uh, I think you, you go. I will meet you there. <laughs> but back in the day, I will cross the ocean for you. I will go and bring you the moon. I will be your hero, your strength. I will be your sun in the sky. <laughs> I will light your way for all time. Oh, boy. How can you be the sun in the sky? How can you go and bring her the moon? There is only one moon in the whole world. And if you go and bring it and give it to your girlfriend, that means there'll be no more moon in the world. Isn't that right? And do you know the size of the moon? The moon is so huge, people actually travel into the moon. So you can put it on your head. You know, we said sweet things to each other. Now, they said sweet things to each other in the covenant, but they meant every word because they were bound together by blood. Said, so this is my body. I'm giving you my body. I will let your family have my body before I will let them starve. That means I will do, before your family can starve, it means I have been emptied. I don't have anything to offer anymore. But as long as I have something to offer, I will be there to help you. But, you know, a covenant is a very strong thing. That's why when you have a covenant partner, you can't bail out on them. Because you swore to them inside blood. And the life of the flesh is in the blood. That's that about the covenant meal. And then, of course, they will share wine. And then they remind each other that it represented the blood that they had just walked in, making them one family. Covenant, a covenant makes two, one. Say that after me. A covenant makes two, one. So as they exchanged wine, they were reminding each other that, look, this represents the blood that we walked in. There is blood between us. 
There is blood. They are saying there is blood between us. Tell your neighbor there is blood between us. Okay, number seven, which is the final step. Step number seven. And this will interest you is the climax. I'd actually said it before, but I'll say it again. The families exchanged names. This was the final step. By the time the covenant ceremony was completed, both parties or families had new names. For example, if the farmers and the fighters caught covenant, Phil Farmer was now Phil Fighter Farmer. While Fred Fighter now became Fred Farmer Fighter. Let me say that to you again. Very simple. So, from the farmer's family, we have the representative. His name is Phil. Their surname, the family name is Farmer. All right? And they are farmers. So, we have Phil Farmer. Is that clear? Come on. Is that clear? And then here, the fighter family, the representative's name is Fred. So, his name is Fred Fighter. Are you with me? So, now we have Fred Fighter and then we have Phil Farmer. The last stage of the covenant is that both of them will exchange. The two families will exchange names. So Phil Farmer will now take the last name of Fred Fighter, which is Fighter, and insert it into the middle of his name. And I'll show you that in the Bible. So it now becomes Phil, come on, help me, Fighter Farmer. You're smart. You're getting it right. Now here's Fred Fighter. It now becomes what? Fred, farmer, fighter. Are you getting it now? So he takes the name of that family and inserts it into his name. And that's powerful. You've seen some families also when you see names and you see a hyphen between, the two, between two names, like a compound name. Maybe your name is Joke uh, Adio Silva. Now, if you trace it down the line, there was an Adio family, there was a Silver family, and the two of them came together at some point, and they caught covenant, and so the, the, the names of the children born in that family, or in those two families, become compound names. The, the, the son name becomes a compound name, rather. So if you have Ayo, born into that family, is now Ayo, Adio, Silver. Instead of Ayo, Adio, or Ayo, Silver. Ayo, Adio is actually the name of one of our guys in the UND. In Germany, one of our pastors there. Now, so we have Ayo, Adio Silva, all right? And then if you have uh, 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 Joke here, oh no, no. If you have uh, uh, Nike here now, you can have Nike Adio Silva. So Adio Silva means that the Adio family and the Silva family at some point came together and they caught a covenant. Are you with me now? Are you with me, church? So they the change names, they switch names, they put names, they insert the names in between their names. And so, the two families become one large family. Say, for example, there were already like uh, some 300 members of this family. And here, about some 500 members of this family. The two of them become one large family and they become 800. And then they give birth and they multiply and they increase. Are you with me, church? Are you getting what I'm saying, church? Now, this reminds me of when God changed Abraham's name. So, let's go to Genesis chapter 17. And verse 5. Genesis 17. Actually, God caught a covenant with Abraham in Genesis uh, 15. I will show you that, but let me show you Genesis 17, 5, first of all. God said, Neither shall thy name anymore be called Abram or Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham. Someone say Abraham. 
I wanted to say it the way I'm saying it. Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made thee. Now, you might think God just put H in between. Look, that H is God's name. Hashem. That H is Hashem. Is God's name. God is cutting covenant with a mortal man. And so God is putting his own name in the middle of the man's name. To change that man's life forever. Nobody enters into a covenant with God and ends up being a loser in life. You can never be a loser in life. Because of your covenant partner, you are the weak farmer. He is the mighty hunter, mighty fighter, the mighty warrior. And so somebody comes against you, oh, they have come against the wrong person because your covenant partner is strong. Your redeemer is strong. Can I have an amen? Abraham, the H there is Hashem. God's name. God said, you will no longer be an exalted father. Abraham means exalted father. Abraham means a father of many nations. When he wasn't yet a father of two sons, God multiplied him. When you cut a covenant with God, it brings multiplication into your life. Tell me who is as powerful as God. Tell me who is as rich as God. Tell me who is as merciful as God. Tell me who is as gracious as God. Tell me who can keep your life like God. Tell me who can give you peace like God. Let me show you the covenant God caught with Abraham in Genesis 15. And we're going to come back to Genesis 17 actually. But Genesis 15, just to show you something right there. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Glory, glory, glory be to God. Glory, glory, glory be to God. God never fails. Can I have an Amen. Did Abraham, Abraham eventually fail? Come and talk to me. Did he eventually fail? From when you read Genesis and you read about the life of Abraham, did he eventually fail? And, and who are you? Don't you forget, according to Galatians 3.29, that if you have given your life to Christ, you automatically become Abraham's seed. So if Abraham never failed, you are never going to fail. Did you hear what I said? Because you're Abraham's seed if you belong to Christ. And I'm going to try and explain this this morning. I want you to get it right. Let's understand our salvation. Let's understand the covenant that we have with God. It will strengthen us in the days in which we live and the many, many days to come. I'm going to read from verse 1 very quickly. Genesis 15. After this thing, the word of the Lord came unto Abraham. Notice Abraham in a vision. Saying, fear not, Abraham. I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abraham said, Lord God, what would thou give me? Seeing I go childless. And the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. This is typical of us. Abraham actually represented us. Pretty much. I mean, studying this, I could even see myself in his life. How that God speaks to us and gives us a word of promise. And the next moment we're complaining. God said, fear not. I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. The next thing Abraham said is, what are you going to give me? I go childless. You're just looking at me, and I'm going childless. You're looking at me, I don't have a child. I'm, I'm serving you, but I don't have anything to show for it that I'm serving you. Thank you for blessing me, and I have a lot of material stuff and money and all of that, but I don't have a child. Isn't that true of us sometimes when we come to church? God, I'm serving. I'm, I'm keeping your house clean. I'm singing in the choir, but I don't have admission. God, 
I'm serving you, but I don't have money. God, I'm serving you, but my health is failing. God, I'm serving you, but so, so, and so is happening. Everybody's making progress, but I'm the one staying on the same spot. I'm serving you. I'm doing my best. But God, it looks as though the same light that shows green to everybody shows red to me. And you feel so alone and sometimes lonely in a crowd. You are not alone. <laughs> Abraham said so. He said, I go childless. What are you going to give me? <laughs> I mean, I thought that the thing God said will encourage him. Fear not, Abraham, for I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. Well, thank you for that. But behold, I go childless. And Abraham began to complain. The steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. Omoloma is the one in charge of my property. Is the steward of my house. When my own son should be in charge of my companies, a steward, the steward is Eliezer of Damascus. <laughs> And Abraham said, Behold, to me, he kept complaining, you know, Thou hast given no seed. And lo, one born in my house is my heir. To me, you haven't given any child. But the one that is born in my house is now becoming the one in charge of my inheritance because the heir is in charge of the inheritance. Nobody likes that. You don't want another person's child to inherit what you have made all your life. You want that passed over to your children and to your children's children. Isn't that right? Come on, talk to me, church. Isn't that right? And Abraham said, sorry, verse 4 now. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine hair, but he that shall come forth out of thy own bowels shall be thine hair. The one that will come out of your body will be your hair. I understand. I see what you are going through. I know it. You know, sometimes we talk to God as though he doesn't know what we are going through. Jesus knows all about our struggles. He will guide till the day is done. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. No, 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 no. No, not one. No matter what you're going through, he knows. Can I have an amen? The Lord said to him, This is not going to be your hair, but the one that will come out of your body. And he brought him forth abroad. God brought him forth abroad. Not to Jackpot, but brought him forth abroad. Meaning that God brought him out. I guess Abraham was in the tent. And God brought him out to see the sky. To see a wide expanse of the sky. Sometimes you need to go out, just take a walk and get some fresh air and look up. I do that a lot these days. Just want to see. I just gaze into the sky to see the manifold wisdom of God in creation. To look at the stars and to look at the, the cloud and the trees from afar. And say, God, your hand made all this. How big is my challenge that you cannot turn it around? I trust you. And I bless your name. Amen. And God brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. God said, Look up. Look at the skies. Look at the stars in the sky. Can you number them? I'm asking you, church. If you look at the sky, can you number the stars? And God said, 
so shall your seed be. That's how many there are going to be. Like the stars in the sky. The Bible says, and he believed in the Lord. And the Lord counted it to him for righteousness. What does righteousness mean? It means rightness. God, means, God says you are right. You believe me, you are right. If you believe God, you are always right. Faith, faith, when believing God, makes you right with God. Makes you right. You are right. Righteousness is an old word. The contemporary word would be rightness. That is, you are right. You believe me, you can't be wrong. If you believe God, you are right. If you believe the word of God, you are right. If, if you believe your circumstances, you are wrong. If you believe your problems, you are wrong. If you believe Jesus, you are right. Can I have an amen? Verse 7. And he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of the earth of the Chaldees to give this land to inherit it. To give you this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? How will I know? And he said unto him, now God caught a covenant with him now. Take unto thee, take, unto, take me and Haifa of three years old, and a she-goat of three years old, and a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he took unto him all these and divided them in the midst. Notice he caught them in the middle and laid each piece one side against another. But the birds, he didn't divide. And when the fowls came upon the carcasses, Abram drove them away. Those fowls that, that like to eat dead animals, the vultures, he drove them away. And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram. And lo, now begin to notice what is happening here. And lo, an horror of great darkness fell upon him. Abram fell asleep. And he said unto Abram, God speaking from the midst of that. God was speaking. Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs and shall serve them. And they shall afflict them 400 years. God was speaking to him about what was going to happen. The sojourn of the children of Israel in Egypt. They were in Egypt for 430 years. After the death of Joseph. So this word God was giving Abram didn't come to pass in the time of Abraham, in the time of Isaac, in the time, it was in the time of Jacob, no, not even in the time of Jacob. It was after Joseph died. In the time of Jacob was when Joseph was transported and sold into Egypt to begin a process, a process of preservation of life. And so when there was famine all over the world and there was no food, they went to look for food in Egypt. And it was their brother Joseph that sold them food. Eventually, he migrated his family into Egypt. And they were mighty in the land and they grew and God blessed them. They lived in Goshen. But after Joseph became old and died, there arose another Pharaoh. Because that old Pharaoh also died. The one that knew Joseph. And the new Pharaoh began the affliction of the children of Israel. And they were there in slavery for 430 years. God had spoken about that to Abraham generations before. Can I say something to you this morning? God has spoken good concerning you. Say, God has spoken good concerning me. No matter what the enemy is speaking right now, God has already spoken good about your life. Can I have an amen to that? And God said, and also, that nation whom they shall serve will I judge. And God repeated that in Exodus, I believe, 12, 12, or 14, 14. He said, I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and I will judge all the gods of Egypt. That must be Exodus 12. All right. God said, I will judge that nation, and afterward, they shall come out with great substance. And this thing came to pass as God said it. 
The night that Pharaoh was going to finally allow them to go, after all the firstborn in Egypt had been slain by the destroyer, the Egyptians were urgent upon the children of Israel. Oh yeah, please go, go, go. And then, guess what? The children of Israel went to their masters. Hey, I want to go, but can I have all your designer clothes? Okay, okay, okay. How many do you want? How many? Gucci, Fendi, Ferragamo. Okay, which, how many? I also want your gold. Okay, you want gold? Take my gold. Take all the gold. Oh yeah, take, that's my trinket box. Go and take it. They left that place with great substance. Because God already said so. Listen, God is not a liar. Everything that happened in Exodus chapter 12, 13 to 14, God had already prophesied it to Abraham, to Abraham, their forefather, their great-great-grandpa. Everything that will happen in your future, God has already spoken good concerning you. He stood in the blood of Jesus and spoke good concerning you. And let me tell you, it will be well with you. Amen. If you believe that, you shout a better amen. amen. You know, when we go through stuff, sometimes the enemy lets you realize that this is the end. It's only a bend is not the end. Can I have an amen? amen. It's a phase. It will pass. A new season will come. A new day will done for you in the name of Jesus. Amen. You will yet sing a new song in the name of Jesus. And God said, and you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age. Abraham went home at the age of 175. Is 175 a good old age or not? <laughs> According to the word of God. No sickness could kill him before that good old age. No disease, no famine, no pestilence, no enemy. They may make attempt against your life. It will never come to pass. Yeah. Uh, only three people come to church this morning. Yeah. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Yeah. Every tongue that rises up against you in judgment, you will condemn them. Yeah. The Lord will fight your battles for you and you will hold your peace. Yeah. In the mighty name of Jesus. But in the fourth generation, they shall come up hither again. For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. And it came to pass, now listen to this, that when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp. <laughs> Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Behold, a smoking furnace. <laughs> A smoking furnace and a burning lamb. Our God is a consuming fire that passed between those pieces. Who does that represent? God was walking on the blood of those animals, walking through the mist of the blood, making promises to Abraham. This is what is going to happen. This is what is going to happen. You are going to go in, in peace, in a good old age. Your, your generations, this is what's going to happen. But I will judge that nation, and then your children will come out with great substance. God was saying all of that, making those promises to Abraham. When those things had not yet happened, they had not yet seen the light of day, God was already speaking forth what was going to happen. God passed between those pieces. In the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land, 
from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates, the Kenites, and the Kenizzites, and the Cadmonites, and the Hittites, and the Perizzites, and the Rephaims, and the Amorites, and the Canaanites, and the Gigashites, and the Jebusites, the Jebu people. Glory be to God. <laughs> I say, glory be to God. Now, the whole of chapter 16, now Sarah, Sarai, Abraham's wife, bare him no children, and she had an handmaid, an Egyptian whose name was Agar, and this was when Mama Sarai suggested to Father Abraham to try another woman who was a, a house help, you know, in their house. Now, is it not amazing that God just finished cutting covenant with Abraham? And he was supposed to be basking in faith, Abby. Like when you come to church and God has just used the pastor and the choir and the person that led prayer to speak a word into your life. And you know, you have a powerful word of promise and you're bubbling glory to God. And you feel this is going to be a powerful week. And then on Monday morning, somebody comes with another suggestion. And you are going to see a herbalist. Or you are going to try something that is ungodly. Ishmael was the product of chapter 16 of Genesis. And that was not God's plan. Because when God was speaking to Abraham about him having a seed, God was speaking about Isaac. And ultimately, actually, about Christ. But mama had another idea. And I would have thought that daddy should have um, said no. Um, God just caught a covenant with me yesterday. Um, I'm not going to try and do what you're saying. I don't know how long it was between when God caught the covenant and when mama suggested. It could have been several months down the line. Now, um, I don't have a child. You said God has caught the covenant with you, but I'm still not pregnant. Is it not amazing sometimes when you look at yourself, you say, I've prayed, 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 I've fasted, I've sown seed, and yet my situation has not changed. You are not alone, and you are not, going to, you are not the first, and you won't be the last. And if God ever came through for anybody in the past, he will come through for you. Can I have an amen? And I thought that daddy should have protested. But apparently, daddy didn't say, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't argue. He said, eh. <laughs> oh, okay. You, you mean I should, uh, eh? I guess daddy adjusted his glasses. I said, you, you mean I should, uh, ah, Higa, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going she kneels down with her two legs and uh, you mean I should uh, Mama says, hey, if you try her now, maybe God will consider her case and then consider my case. Uh, I thought that the Abraham said, God forbid, no, never. Oh, no, 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 no. But uh, daddy did not if it's coming from you, who am I? Eh? Who am I to reject your offer? So, Ega, uh, the other room. <laughs> and guess what? Oh, God. The devil is a bastard. When he sets you up like this, he will now make you have results. <laughs> the lady became pregnant. And boom, gave birth to a child. And that's Ishmael. Till today, Ishmael is still a thorn in the flesh to, Joseph, uh, to, to Isaac. If you understand what I mean. Uh, isn't it amazing after we have gotten the promise of God that we could go back into doubting again? It's human. 
And it's the enemy trying to make us lose focus of the word of promise. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not teaching you what I don't know. I'm, I'm telling you this morning what I, what I go through myself. I mean, God gives you a word on Sunday and you're all sparked up, inspired, fired up. A blaze is coming. It's a time of fire. And then a couple of days down the line, you're thinking, God, hey, hey, how are you going to do this thing? It is not your business how God is going to do it. Are you with me? Whatever God says he will do, he will do. It makes all things beautiful in his time. But I pray for you, as I pray for myself, that our strength will not fail while we are waiting on him to do what he has said that he will do. Can I have an amen? Between a man and the manifestation, there is a, there's usually a waiting period. And they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. May your strength be renewed. Fast forward to Genesis 17. You see, in Genesis 15, God called the covenant. In 16, daddy went his own way. Daddy Abraham went his way. Now, in 17, verse 1, and when Abraham was 90 years old and 9, God now waited. Maybe you've, you've, you've tried your own method, Abby. It's okay. This time, Ishmael was already like 13 years old. So that was another 13 years of Mama Sarah's fruitlessness. Maybe you tried your own method. Ah, God. Ah, to Eshel. May we not go our own way. May God not put his hand like this under his chin and be looking at us. Ah, if you understand that prayer, you say better amen. Because how far can your strength carry you? The Bible says, by strength shall no man prevail. And you can't put your confidence in the arm of the flesh because they are bound to fail. My wife was preaching that to me this morning. I didn't like it. It didn't sound good at all. <laughs> May the Lord send us timely help in Jesus' name. Abraham was now 99 years old. At 99, he couldn't even do anymore. If you're minus 13 from 99, that would give us uh, 80 what? What? 86. So he must have had Ishmael at 86, thereabout. God called him at 75. Okay? So 11 years later was when Mama suggested, and then he didn't argue, and God now waited another 13 years. He was now 99. He had come to the end of his own strength. When a swimmer is drowning, the lifeguard does not dive into the water to rescue him. Otherwise, both of them will drown. You can't drown God anyway. But he will wait for that guy to be calm, to drink water very well and be calm. When you can't struggle anymore, the lifeguard will dive in and rescue you. It was like God just waited. Until the man was 99. There are certain things that God does in our lives. At the time he does them, you will know. And everyone will know that only God could have done this. If he did it at the time that you had strength, you say it was my strength. It was my smartness. I knew how to calculate. I could do that. I could do that. You know, that's why some people are very proud. Especially young achievers. You know, when you achieve very young, you feel, ah, it's because I'm smart. I made the first class. I made this. I made that. 
I don't think it's just dull. You know, all you have to do is know AI very well, artificial intelligence, and you know some coding. I, people know coding and they are broke. In fact, they are mad self. <laughs> when they are sleeping, they are coding the dream, and they have nothing to show for it. So if God blesses you, you must recognize that this is the blessing of the Lord. This is the hand of God upon my life. You don't have to be the smartest student in the school of nursing to be the most successful nurse. Just the grace. You don't have to be the smartest lawyer or graduate from the faculty of law to be the, the, the most celebrated of all time. You don't have to. It's just the hand of God upon your life. You might even have made a 2-2 two -two or 2-1. Two and a couple of years down the line, those who made better grades ahead of you, they are nowhere to be found. God's coasting along. God waited until Abraham was 99. He could not perform sexually anymore. How did I know? It's in the Bible. Because Mama Sarah, when she had the promise, she laughed. <laughs> is it me that I'm old now? Oh, my Lord. My Lord that is now. Uh, my Lord. Now listen to God's word. And When Abraham was 90 years old and 9, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said unto him, I am the almighty God. I am the almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. God straightened him out. When God straightens you out, it is to bless you. When God corrects you, it is not to condemn you, it is to help you. Don't leave church because pastor said something that corrected you. It is to bless you. Don't leave your ministry because your HOM said something that corrected you. It's to bless you. Walk before me and be perfect. And I will make my covenant between me and thee. Remember God made a covenant before. I'll make my covenant between me and thee and will multiply thee exceedingly. God repeated to him what he said to him. And Abraham fell on his face. And God talked with him saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you. And you shall be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name anymore be called Abraham. But thy name shall be Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made thee. And I will make thee exceeding fruitful. And I will make nations of thee. And kings shall come out of thee. And I will establish my covenant between me and thee. And thy seed after thee in their generations for an everlasting covenant. To be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. And I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee. The land wherein thou art a stranger. Or the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession. And I will be their God. May God be your God. If you have God as your God, rejoice this morning. Say, God is my God. I'm glad that the almighty God is my God. Amen. Praise God. And God said unto Abraham, immediately he has changed his name to Abraham now. He's calling him Abraham. From that point on, you don't say Abraham anymore. Abraham ceased. Now it is Abraham. Because God has introduced H, Hashem, into his name, which is God's own name. He inserted his name into Abraham's name. So this is now Abraham of God. Abraham. Fred of God. That's why my son name is El Ebe. Praise God. The L there is God. When you say El Shaddai, El Ohim, El Rohi, El Bethel, El Elohe Israel, God, the God of Israel. El Egbe, glory be to God. 
That's just on a lighter note. But on a more serious note, I mean, I'm a covenant child of God. And God said unto Abraham, to Abraham, Thou shalt keep my covenant, therefore thou and thy seed after thee in their generations. This is my covenant. Now, God now introduced something here. Which you shall keep between me and you and your seed after you. Every man child among you shall be circumcised. Amen? And that's not an easy thing to do. Especially when you are grown. As a child, they quickly do it before you know pain. But if you are grown, and Abraham was 99. And you shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin. And by the grace of God, there is nobody under the influence of my voice, online and on site, that does not know the meaning of circumcision. Male circumcision. And they don't circumcise the hand. Hallelujah. Praise God. So you know it's a serious business. <laughs> you shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin. That's not forehead. And it shall be a token of the covenant between me and you. And he that is eight days old shall be circumcised among you. Every man child in your generations. He that is born in the house or bought with money of any stranger which is not of thy seed. He that is born in thy house and he that is bought with thy money must needs be circumcised. And my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. And the uncircumcised man child whose flesh of his foreskin is not circumcised that so shall be cut off from his people and he has broken my covenant and God said unto Abraham as for Sarai thy wife thou shalt not call her name Sarai but Sarah shall her name be Hashem and I will bless her and give her and sorry give thee a son also of her yea I will bless her yea God will bless you expression house and she shall be a mother of nations. Our sisters shall be mothers of nations. And kings of people shall come of you in the name of Jesus. Our brothers shall be fathers of nations in the name of Jesus. And kings will come from your loins in the name of Jesus. Then Abraham fell upon his face and laughed. And said in his heart, in his heart, shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old. He was 99, going to hundred. That is 100 years old. And Sarah, that is 90 years old. Thank you. And Abraham said unto God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. Don't kill him or let him live. He said that in his heart. Can you see us again? God came again, gave him covenant promises. The next moment, uh, it is well. That's you on Tuesday evening. No church service. But you Sunday morning. Woo! Glory! Tuesday evening. It is well. But I pray for you and I pray for myself. We are strengthened by the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. Now, God now reprimanded him. God said, Sarah, your wife shall bear thee a son indeed. I mean it. And you shall call his name Isaac. God now went ahead to give him the name before Sarah ever conceived to show serious business. Isaac means laughter because I'm going to make you laugh. Expression house, God will make us laugh. Yeah. This season, we shall laugh. Yeah. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with the seed after him. 
So that's, the, that's my chosen vessel. As for Ishmael, I've had you. Behold, I've blessed him also. I will make him fruitful. Multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall he beget, and I will make him a great nation. But, somebody say, but, my covenant will I establish with Isaac, which Sarah shall bear unto thee at this set time in the next year. And he left off talking with him, and God went up from Abraham. God finished talking to him, transported into heaven. Abraham became straightened up. Ha! Immediately, Abraham took Ishmael's son and all that were born in his house and all that were bought with his money, every male among the men of Abraham's house and circumcised the flesh of their foreskin in the self same day as God has said unto Immediate obedience. Immediate obedience. Immediate obedience came. The moment God left, ah, this is serious business. Immediate obedience. And that's what God wants. He tells you, go and pray for somebody. Go immediately. He says, get on your knees. Intercede for this nation. Do it immediately. He said, sow a seed somewhere. Do it immediately. Immediate obedience. It always carries a reward. Hey, I will do it tomorrow. I will obey tomorrow. <laughs> you can do that for your own business. Don't try that with God. You don't know whose life is on the line. And God wants you to call them. And it's your call that will make a difference. These days that people are just suicidal. They are looking for who to talk to. Nobody wants to listen. Everyone say, well, I know the finish. I have my own problems. And God put it in your heart to pray for somebody or to talk to somebody. I remember a few days ago, I was feeling very low. Very low in energy. Morning, in the morning. I mean, I was with my Bible. I had my Bible on my laps, but somehow just very low. A lady called me out of the blue. Somebody who had not spoken to me in several months, maybe years. Said the Lord said to me, I just finished praying now, and the Lord said, put it in my heart to call you and to tell you that the storm is over. I was speechless. I said, God really sent you to me. God sent you to me. Immediate obedience. And Abraham was 90 years old and nine when he was circumcised in the flesh of his first king. How easy do you think that would be for a 99-year-old man to be circumcised? To bring out his organ? To now be circumcised at 99 throughout that day. The next three days, the next seven days is Jalamia. They'll be wearing anyway in the Middle East, Jalamia. They wear, they will now make the size, maybe triple, so that they'll be small and the Jalamia will be big. You hold it like this. All the men in the same day, that's not the time to go and watch football or to play football. You can't play football. As painful as it was, they did it immediately. Sometimes, what God tells you to do might be painful on the flesh, but it is for your ultimate good. Can I have an amen? It was a token of the covenant. There's no way you circumcise a man or a child, a male child, that blood will not flow. Abraham had messed up. Instead of God killing him, God said, no. No. I'm, I'm going to reinforce my covenant with him. And so, blood has to flow as a token of the covenant. It's a cut where blood flows. That's the meaning of covenant. A cut where blood flows. There's no way you take a boy and circumcise him and blood will not flow. It's not water that will flow. Blood. Instead of God to kill him, God said, no, I would rather use an animal. The blood of an animal. That was when God told him, oh yeah, get all these animals, get all these animals, get all these animals. Why would God require blood because God didn't have blood of his own self. God is a spirit. 
Remember the first man, Adam, when he sinned and he sold fig leaves to cover his nakedness with his wife. God killed an animal and used the skin of that animal to clothe them, shedding blood. That was the first covenant. That was the first mark of blood shedding and mark of covenant. And hey, it's a symbol of Christ. The Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world. Glory be to God. I said glory be to God. In Revelation 13 and verse 8. Can we have that on the screen very quickly? Revelation 13 and verse 8. Revelation, Revelation. I didn't say Ruth, Revelation. And I'm going to close now. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life, of the Lamb slain from the foundation, whose names are, writ are not written in the book of life, of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Who is the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world? Jesus. 1 Corinthians 5, 7 says, Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. That's the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world. What does that mean? It means we have a covenant with God. Our covenant with God is between God the Father and Jesus Christ. He shed his blood. So, the covenant is between both of them and if we now enter into Christ and accept him as our Lord and Savior, Everything God said to Christ, he said to us. In fact, everything God said to Abraham, he said to Christ, and he said that to us. Let me show you a scripture. This will help you to tie it up quickly. I'm rushing. Actually, I have, maybe I will finish this next week. Let me not rush it. But I want you to get something here. Are you getting something with this Abraham? The Abrahamic covenant. Now, go to uh, uh, Galatians chapter 3. And verse 16. Galatians 3 and verse 16. Galatians 3, 16. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. God made promises to Abraham and his seed. Singular seed. Somebody say singular seed. He saith not unto seeds as of many, but as of one, unto thy seed which is Christ. Let me say this. When God was walking in that blood and was swearing to Abraham, Larry come as Abraham. Tell me talk by face me. Stand there. Stay behind him. Prosper. Stay behind. Yeah, stay there. Stay there. Behind him. Directly behind him. Do lenye. Good. Good. Okay, I want to face you guys. Prosper. Stay behind them. Let's face one another. Face me. This is Abraham. And this is God. Cutting the covenant with Abraham. And telling him the blessings. And God is saying, I'm swearing these promises to you. And to your seed. This is the seed of Abraham. This is Christ. Prosper, sit on my chair there. I will call you up. So, as God was making all the promises to Abraham, the Bible says, Now to Abraham and his seed. This is the seed of Abraham. What the promises made. Is that right? Please get it right. Get it right. Is that right? 
saith not, that is, he did not say, and to seeds as of many. That is, many children. Many, many. No, 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 no. God didn't say that. But as of one, this guy, raise your hands. Let them see you. That's the guy. That's to the seed, which is Christ. So in other words, when God was making those promises to Abraham and to his seed, the seed there was not Isaac, the one born in the flesh. The seed there was referring to Christ, who was not yet born. But he would be born by the word of God. The words that God spoke became flesh, produced a body with blood. Because God would cut a new covenant with that blood, which is what we enjoy today. Not the Abrahamic covenant anymore. But God was swearing promises to Abraham and to his seed. But how does that concern us? How does that connect with us? As many, therefore, as received this seed, who received the same promise as Abraham, as many as tag along with this guy, they are partakers of the same promises. Can I have an amen? amen. That's where Prosper comes. Now, Prosper, line up. This is an example of a born-again child of God. Every born-again child of God, you can be one million, you can be two billion. We are all seed of Abraham. Abraham's seed. That's what Galatians 3.29 says. In verse 29, it says, If you are Christ, that is, this is Christ, if you accept him, automatically you are Abraham's seed. And heirs, according to the promise. You are a partaker of the promise of Abraham. That promise includes our spiritual connection with God. It includes longevity. It includes healing and deliverance. Amen? And it also includes financial prosperity. Can I have an amen to that? We will prosper. Can I have an amen? Are you Abraham's seed? If you are not yet born again, you are not Abraham's seed. If you give your life to Christ today, you become Abraham's seed and you become a partaker of the blessing, the covenant promises. Is that clear? Did I make it clear? I hope you're not confused. Are you confused? Did you get it clear? God bless you. Put your hands together for yourselves and go back to your seat, everybody. Amen. I will tidy this up next week. I want to stop here. My time, time is up. Or almost up. But let me conclude this number seven point, step seven. Such, when I told you about the names that they change, such covenant names were another indication for troublemakers to get off your life. Like Phil Farmer. is now Phil Fighter Farmer. When you hear that name, you get off. <laughs> because it wasn't just Phil Farmer you will have to fight. You'll be fighting Fred Farmer Fighter. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, the, the farmer family, or the fighter family now had enough food to sell. They were starving before, but now they have enough food. And then, the farmer family now have more than enough protection. They are now one large and powerful family. Can I have an amen to that? Today, according to Ephesians 3.15, the whole family in heaven and earth is named of Jesus. By covenant, we bear the name of Jesus, the name that is above every name. And by covenant, we go into all the world bearing that name. 
Ephesians 3.15 on the screen, and I'm going to close there. Next week, I will tell you about our big brother, the Lord Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach. Amen. From verse 14, actually, Paul the Apostle said, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family, verse 15, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. The whole family. There is one family. Some of the members of the family are in heaven, and some of us are still here in the earth. But we are named after one name, the name of Jesus. Everyone that comes to Christ, comes into the family of God, has a covenant, a new covenant with God, ratified by the blood of Jesus. No longer the blood of animals in the days of Abraham. Amen? In the days of Abraham, he took turtle dove, pigeon, ram, goats, the blood of animals. But when Christ came, he shed his own blood. And today, he's sitting before the mercy seat of the Father. And he has presented his blood before the Father. And so when the enemy comes against us and wants to destroy us, mercy says no. Because Jesus presents his blood before the Father. And can I say something to you, church? Listen to me. We're going to pray now. This covenant is between God the Father, our Heavenly Father, and his Son, Jesus Christ. Who do you think will likely break the covenant between the two of them? Do you think either of them will likely break the covenant? No. They will not bail out on each other. That means we are safe and secure. Can I have an amen? amen? Do you think that even you can break that covenant? You can't. So let me tell you this. If you ever fall into sin, if you ever make a mistake, don't run away from God. You have stepped out of line. Step back into line. Step back into fellowship. Give me First John 1, 9 on the screen. If you ever slip into sin, that is, you fall, yakata, like this, or small like this, or big, and the whole world is talking about you. I say, you are just no good. You are just, God just hates you. You are just terrible. You are horrible. Blah, 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 etc. Now, listen. You are falling out of line, child of God. Don't die in condemnation. Are you with me? Are you with me? If you fall out of line, oh, you told a lie, or you did something wrong that you were not supposed to do. Do you know what to do? If you have given, now listen, that's if you have given your life to Christ. Not those who have not surrendered their lives at all. If you have not surrendered your life to Christ, today is an opportunity. I'm going to pray with you so that you can come into this covenant. I go to church, I sing in the choir. That doesn't mean you have a covenant with God. My dad is a pastor. Tra salvation is not transferable. My husband is a pastor. It is not sexually transmissible. So, what do I do? Give your life to Christ so you can come into covenant with God through Christ. But if you're already in Christ and then you made a mistake, you slept somewhere you're not supposed to sleep. Now, don't go and be doing that because Satan would want to use that to destroy you. Or you said something you were not supposed to say. You took something you were not supposed to take. You, whatever. Listen, 
you are out of line. You are out of line, out of fellowship. What you need to do, step back in line. Get back into fellowship. Let's read together as we stand to take the communion. One, two, go. Read on the screen, 1 John 1, 9. One, two, go. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from some of our unrighteousness. No, no, no. How can he cleanse you from all? Uh-uh. Okay. Let's read it again. You didn't read it well. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us some of our sins. Okay. And to cleanse us from some unrighteousness. How much is all? I just saw a beautiful smile on your face now. Hallelujah. I know what it means to live under guilt. The weight of guilt. The weight itself is killing. Child of God, don't commit suicide because you made a mistake. Our gospel is not about condemnation, it's about reconciliation. Oh, she got pregnant, let's kill her. No, we won't kill her. We'll deal with her, we'll punish her, but we'll love her. Amen? Now, I'm not saying go and get pregnant. But if it does happen, because stuff happens. Oh, he impregnated somebody. Ah, that firebrand brother. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, we'll deal with you. We will punish you. We will say some things you don't like, but we'll love you all the same. You are out of fellowship. We must help you get back into fellowship. It is not our ministry to kill our wounded soldiers. That's what we do in Christendom many, many times. A soldier is already wounded. We kill them. In the military, when a soldier gets wounded in the battlefield, you don't leave anyone behind. That is the mantra. Leave no one behind. They drag that one along. No, we're not going to leave you on the battlefield. We take you to the place where we're going to treat you until you are well. Are you with me? Let's help one another in this church. Let's pray for one another. Somebody is weak. Don't talk about them. Don't gossip about them. Pray for them. Let those who are spiritual help those who are feeble. Are you with me? That's how we have a strong family. And don't come and give me gist about somebody. I don't want to hear gists. Let us pray. Let us pray. I wanted us to take the confession, the communion confession. Let me check if I have that in my Bible this morning. If I don't have it, again, because of time, I'm rushing, kind of, just to, okay, I have it. Father, in the name of your son, Yeshua HaMashiach, I bless the communion this morning. I see new communion cups. I don't know who bought them. Whether it was the ushers that bought them.